This is the American Cinematographer Podcast. I'm Ian Stasikevich, a contributing writer for American Cinematographer Magazine. In this episode, we're going to take a look at the HBO original series, How to Make It in America. The pilot was shot by Steven Fearberg ASC and introduces us to Ben and Cam, a couple of 20-something street hustlers living in New York City. You know, one of the reasons why I love this show so much is because I love New York so much. And Stephen, who, you know, really brought a very sort of high gloss Los Angeles, Beverly Hills, Hollywood style to his work in Entourage with How to Make It in America, he really conveys with his cinematography what it's like to be in and what it's like to live in New York, what it's like to walk the streets of Brooklyn or walk the streets of Manhattan. Through his lens, he really gets it all, the upper crust and the underbelly and the fine line in between. The show is called how to make it in America. I've heard people call it entourage set in New York City. Yeah, I mean, it could be said that the reason you could say that is because it's people in their kind of 20s, late 20s, you know, and it's trying to capture the the flavor and texture of where they live. And, and also, I think, to tell the truth about what it's like to be in, in the world that they're in. I think both shows are really um, attempt to give you the milieu. Like, you feel like you're with them, if you were with them, this is what you would see and this is what, what it would be like. And so in that sense, there is a similarity. And it's, you know, two guys instead of four guys. And yeah, guys are attracted to women, but it's the, how to make it, other than that, I don't think, I think there's a lot of big differences. Um, first of all, these two guys have nothing as opposed to Entourage where from the beginning, <clears throat> and these guys are just, you know, they're rolling and they have an enormous amount of money and power. And these guys have no money and no power. And of course, the Lower East Side scene is is very Lower East Side in Brooklyn, Red Point, Red Hook um, scenes are very um, different than Beverly Hills and the shishi places that Entourage goes. And I think also a lot of it is about um, kind of like the different kinds of worlds that they go into and they go in and out of. I'm talking about how to make it in America. Um, Entourage is. I see Entourage as like it's about the four of them. It's the four guys, and they're one entity, and in every episode, there's an attempt to split up the four of them. Something happens that might threaten the unity, and then by the end, they resolve it, and they, they're back, all four together. And this really doesn't have that kind of issue. It's, um, it's more about how, what does it take to, to grow up and to become an adult and, and to make it in America. And so you get guys who have nothing trying to, knocking on the door, of where that where success and money and, and all that is and they're trying to get in you know as opposed to entourage where they're kind of already there and so why set it in new york city i mean new york city it's about how to make it in america and and new york city is so unlike any other city well if i could sing frank sinatra if you could make it there you could make it anywhere um you know and, and the truth is uh, uh, so many people come to new york for that reason and in fact i did and maybe you did um, I was in Detroit and I wanted to be a cinematographer. I wanted to be in the movie business. So it was neither New York or LA. I went to New York first and that's where I went and I tried to make it in the film business. Are you sure? What, there was no opportunity to make it in Detroit. What was your experience like when you first came to New York? Uh, I felt like I belonged there the second I got there. I got off the bus at 42nd street and, uh, Port Authority terminal. I was walking down, uh, 8th Avenue in the, Kind of the, at that time, it's a particularly sleazy, tough area. And I go, this is where I belong. And, and why wasn't I here before? I felt like I'd always meant to be in New York. And um, I love New York. I, it's a great city. And I know every subway stop. And 
I'm very comfortable in New York. I feel like it, I do really, I do really believe it's kind of a place that I belong. Was your experience sort of similar to what happens in in the show? I mean, did you have to kind of fight your way up from the bottom? Yeah, no, I I started at the the very bottom. I I my first I first came and I couldn't try to get any job, and uh, then I I found a job at a camera store. Um, and I kind of knew a lot about cameras, so they hired me to, to work at this camera store, Wall Street Camera. But then the first time I got in the film biz, I, I found a, a soundstage called Mother, Soundstu- uh, Mother Soundstage. And um, I got them to hire me on weekends and nights. And so I was working like, you know, every day. After I finished one job, I go to the next one. I didn't have any day, any even a few hours off for like three months. And then finally he hired me full time at this stage. Um, my full-time job when I finally got it, which was a great opportunity to me, was basically being a janitor for $150 a week. Um, and um, usually I, I couldn't afford to take the bus to go to the stage. And if there was extra lunch, like when a production would shoot there, there was part of the kind of sleazy thing that happened is we would try to like get some of their lunch because like, it would, it would, that would help not to have to buy our own lunch. Um, yeah, it was, I lived, I lived in an apartment with uh, four other people, like you know, a lot of people do when you first get here. And um, my rent, luckily, was also 150 a month. That was years ago, and we were in a, in a neighborhood that people didn't want to live in. And so you kind of have a little bit of a personal experience with you know, hustling uh, to, to get yourself some work. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, I, know, I felt like I knew this world when I read it, because the, you know, the art, the photography scene, a lot of the parties and stuff that people went to, that's what I did when I first got here. And even now, even though I'm older, I like that scene. I like the Lower East Side. I like those I like going to those things. I like looking at those things. I I like looking at the art and stuff that these guys do. Um I I, I even had done at one point I did a number of fashion videos for a while I was that was one of my jobs I had. So I had some some connection to the fashion world. And then, and then all my cousins and relatives are in the fashion business. They all are. So, um, yeah, I, I felt when I read this, I go, this is a world that I not only know, but I'm excited to re-experience and to chronicle. You shot the pilot for the show. And so tell me a little bit about how you came upon the project and how you came about setting up a look. Um, you know, it's funny because the first meeting is actually took place in... Uh, on uh, Vermont Avenue at Figaro Cafe um, with, uh, you know, all these guys, we're, like we're all from New York, sitting in L.A. The writer, Ian, and uh, uh, and, um, and Rob Weiss, and, and the, well, actually, Julian Farina, who's from London, and who, had, who he and I had started, met each other the first uh, episode we did together in Entourage. The, the director of How to Make an America. Yeah, he's the director and one of the producers of How to Make an America, and he, he directed the not just the pilot, but many, many of the episodes of the series. Um, and he, uh, so he, we were all sitting there on Vermont Avenue talking about like what this needs to look like and feel like. And everyone had a very strong opinion about it. And um, Rob Weiss, who was also, was also one of the writers on uh, Entourage, you know, he's from New York and a lot of it comes from, you know, his experience as well as for me and the other writers experience. And, um, you know, they had very strong feelings about what it needed to feel like, and they wanted to feel the city. They wanted it to feel like you're in the city and you're in their world. And so one of the discussions that came up in terms of how to shoot it was if you are in a, in a room, like say you're in a gallery or you're in a, 
clothing, you know, uh, in some kind of display room. What do you see out the window? Do you see the city out there? Do you feel the city out there? And so that was a big concern for them. Um, and uh, and also Steve, I should also mention Steve Levinson, who's one of the you know guiding lights on the project as well. And he was very clear about that. And he was like he wanted to, like he was if he was in there, he wanted to see the city out the window. He didn't want it to go white. Okay, and so that was a big consideration in terms of what medium we we're going to film with. And what we did is we did a test. We tested probably six different camera systems. We tested small lightweight ones like HVX 200, EX1. Then we tested bigger digital cameras, um, Panasonic 3700, RED camera. And then we tested 16 millimeter and 35 millimeter. And we shot them kind of like we did a street scene where we panned around from one character to another. We did a day interior where we had people in front of windows inside of a room and we'd pan around the room and you'd see them. Not only would we see the effect of panning, but we would see what you could see out the window and what you couldn't. And we did a night interior and we did a night exterior. And the things we were looking for was what was the feel of each system. And then what were you, like when you were in a day interior, what were you seeing out the window? What did it feel like? Um, we were also looking for strobing issues that some of the digital cameras have. Um, and then we were looking for how sensitive was the camera because we wanted to be very small and lightweight and very agile on the street. So we could, we didn't have to take over the street in order to film a night scene. We wanted to be able to blend in and use some of what the city itself had going on and mix in our people with what was real. And that, that's a very key thing for me, both in terms of like uh, having filmed a lot in New York, I did a lot of independent films in New York. And I always felt like if you're shooting on the street, there's only, there's three ways you can go. One way is you can be small and you can blend in and you kind of work with what the city has given you. The other way is you can come in like a big studio movie and just sweep the, the street clean and control everything, repopulate it, control the whole thing. You only bring in your people, you light the whole thing, everything is totally controlled. And where you, where you get in trouble is if you're in the middle. If you're trying, if you wish you could control it, but you don't have the resources to control it, you're not, you're gonna, it's, it's not gonna be a good experience. And so my experience, I spent so much time and I really know how to do it the low end way where you're kind of, you're filming and real things are happening kind of around the camera and you're just, you integrate with it. You're not destroying the street scene in order to film it. And that's what I wanted to do on this and that's what the producers wanted to do. And so it was important that the camera be sensitive enough that we could shoot at night without a lot of lighting. And it was also important that it be kind of able to work in a way that was nimble, allowed us to be quick and nimble. Like one of the first things we did is, you know, we're shooting on a subway car. Okay, it has to be a situation where we can bring in maybe one light or no light, bring in just a reflector cut or a Kino flow and shoot this scene and just still have it look good. And so we needed a system that would would give allow us to do that and have the result look the way we wanted to. And that ended up being 35 millimeter film. Well, it did, you know, um, there was... The two small cameras, when you put them on a dolly and tried to set up a shot, it was a joke. You couldn't use them. It's like if you're hand-holding them, fine. And I'd shot a, I've shot a feature film with the HVX 200, a very successful feature film, and, and it's fine if you're hand-holding it. But then if you try to set up a dolly shot and you you know, you know dolly in here and you pan that way and this and that, with those, that came in the EX-1, you can't pull focus on it. And plus, it's almost impossible to view it on a dolly. So it was like, forget that. 
And then the Panasonic camera, for some reason, always looked like video. And we couldn't figure out how to make it look more filmic. And so people didn't really care for that. And then, again, this was a test done two years ago. I don't want to speak about what might be possible now. But we tried to do it the best we could. Um, the red, the, uh, it also did not, none of those three cameras saw the window as well as the film did. The red camera seemed to see pretty well out the windows, and we were kind of tempted to go with it, but we, there were two issues with it. One was it was still being worked out. You know, had a lot of teething problems. And number two, it was not a very sensitive camera. The red, the red one camera is not sensitive. So if you wanted to go on a subway car and grab some stuff at night with a red camera, it was not going to be sensitive enough to allow us to do that. But it's usually the red camera, you can rate it at what, like three 320 in daylight? No, that's what they say. That's not true. The ca- the, I've tested the camera. I've done, three, I'm, I've done two features with it, and I'm doing another one with it right now. And the real speed of that camera is you can rate it at 200 and get a decent result. Um, it, 160 is probably its true speed, but you can rate it at 200. I mean, we, you ended up not even using it. Well, we didn't then, but I, I, as I say, subsequent to that, I did use it. But I used it in a... There's a lot of issues with the RED camera, especially let's talk about the old one, not the new Mysterium X, which I'm filming with now. The old camera really is 200 speed, and it has less depth of field than 35 millimeter. And so you really don't want to shoot... You're shooting a close-up of somebody. You need really need a two eight. You, you you're not going to be. You try to keep somebody in focus at two two eight or two. It, they're not going to be in focus, and it's not fair to an assistant. And they're moving in a in a tight close-up. And so, well, the first movie I did, we were lighting close-ups to a four, but we were the movie I did was called um, uh, Repo Chick. It's Alex Cox's next movie, and but we were in a studio. We could light it to a four at two hundred. Big light. And the camera was great for that once you knew how to use it. Put it at 200, shoot at a four so that you can get your stuff in focus. And the green screen was fantastic. Most of that movie was green screen, wasn't it? The whole movie is green screen. And 98% of it's green screen. Yeah, and it came out great. Okay, but that, and that camera was very good at that. And then on the movie I did after that, 12 with the camera, it was really difficult to film with it because... Um, because it was 200, a lot of the movie was at night. And it was a lower-budget movie. We didn't have a lot of money. And then plus you're integrating on the street where you're not going to light the whole street. And so what I had to do in order to get a usable image was I had to uh, open up the shutter. And that gives you, you know, if you open the shutter, you know, to 270, now it's 250. If you open it to 360, now you're shooting at 400. Now the only thing about that is you have to be very careful of blur. It's all you're always playing a game of like how much can you open the shutter before the blur becomes worse than the underexposure. Right, and your picture becomes less sharp. Oh yeah, not a little. Um, yeah, if you have if you're panning one way and somebody's walking the other way at a 360 degree shutter, they'll look like they have no head. It'll be just a smear. So you have to be very, you know, it's a, it was very careful when that camera was 200. Now the new chip is is much faster than that, so that that's less of an issue. When you decided to shoot uh, to shoot thirty five, talk about some of the reasons why you you decided on 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 that medium. The truth is, it wasn't my decision. Um, I sh- I did the test, and then there was a discussion between the director, the producer, HBO, and a bunch of people got on a phone call, and they decided. And the only thing I can tell you is what they told me later, which was I think what they really wanted was to be able to see out the window. 
That was one thing. The other thing was the 16 just looked too grainy. Kind of looked like New York independent film look. And it was like we'd seen that look. There was no, inter we, it's like, we just thought it's going to be just too tired to see the 16 millimeter independent New York film look. We've just seen New York shot that way too many times. And the red camera, again, we kind of liked it because it felt kind of live and stuff like that, but we were afraid of the speed of it. And, and then 35, you know, I, I think really Steve Levinson, the producer, I think maybe wanted it the most because he really wanted the connection to the outside. And he felt it was the highest quality look. And he felt like that's what's going to make it stand out from other stuff is that this looks better than the other shows being done in New York. It doesn't look like shows that are shooting on digital or something like that. The other thing that we did that I should mention is I, one of the issues I've had for a long time in terms of shooting for television is I like grain. I think that's what makes, let's make it look like we shot it on film. Let's not pretend we didn't. And I think grain gives it texture, makes it feel like a film. And um, Kodak for a while, they used to make the perfect film for television, which was 5298, and they discontinued it. And I begged them not to discontinue it. And I'm not the only one. And so for a while, there was no film that you could shoot for, for film, I mean, for television, that you could see the grain. Okay, it's one thing if you're projecting something on a 70-foot screen, then you don't want 5298 because it's, in my opinion, even for me, it's too grainy. I like, for movie theatrical, I want a finer grain look. I think you're still going to see the grain anyway. It's just a question of how much. But then when you're, for high-definition television, it's a, you see much less. And so if you use most film stocks for high-definition television, you don't see any grain. And I wanted grain. I want grain. I want it to feel like it's filmic. And so finally Kodak came out with a stock called 5260, which is kind of like a 70s look stock. It kind of reminds you of 70s movies. It's grainy. It's kind of contrasty. Um, might be better if it had a little more shadow detail, but mostly I really love it. And when I showed and when I showed it to producers when I did a film stock test, it was unanimous. Everybody wanted to shoot that film stock, not the other ones. And um, I feel that when you nail the look, then everybody agrees. It's like if you're shooting tests and you're kind of somewhat off, then you can talk about it and everybody has a different opinion. But every time I've done a test where I nailed it, where like I found the look of it perfectly, everybody in the room immediately goes, oh yeah, that's it. That's what it has to be. So, and if, so if you don't get the whole room to agree, then usually you haven't quite nailed it yet. In this case, 35 millimeter, 5260, when it came up, it's like everyone goes, that's it. That's what we want to shoot on. And I love that stuff. But again, I, I wouldn't shoot it theatrically. It's too grainy for that. New York on film is so different from New York City in reality. You know, in you know, when you see New York in the movies, it's either very uh, glossy and idealized. Other times, you know, it, it's shot sort of like as as uh, uh, you know, very it's very gritty and very dirty. And I feel like the real New York is somewhere in between. And so, when you looked out that window, what kind of New York did you want to see? Well, I love that you said that because we want the one in the middle. We want the real one. We don't, we want, I wanted to capture the idea that here you are. I mean, in that sense, it is similar to Entourage because what I wanted to do is capture, like you should feel like you're there. Like if you were at that gallery opening, if you were there on the dock, this is what you would see and this is what it would feel like. And it doesn't, it should never feel lit. It should never feel abstracted. It should feel like, no, you're really there. This is what, you're hanging out with these guys. And that's what I wanted to do in Entourage, and that's what I wanted to do here. So in that sense, they are very similar 
in that I wanted a completely uncontrived look, an entourage, like no backlight. Never make them glamorous. You know, I, it's already too get, they already look too damn good. So let's, let's not glamorize them because people will sense that it's fake, you know. And I'm going to go to these parties in Entourage and I'm going to make it look like you're really at that party. And there's going to be beautiful, sexy people there and they're going to look, they're going to look good, but I'm not going to take it that little extra level that's going to make it feel plasticky. And, and the same thing is true here where I wanted it to feel, I, my goal was to light it in such a way it felt like you're with these guys and you're really seeing it the way they see it. You're with them. I, I didn't move to New, to New York until I was 30 years old. And the New York that I knew, I'd only seen through through films up until that point. It really took me, you know, it really took me going to the Metropolitan Museum of Art to really understand what that was like being there. And I mean, I had to go to Brooklyn to understand what Brooklyn was like. And so what kinds of locations did you choose to create your New York. Well, I think that that you know we were try again we were, we were trying. I think we were trying to find the locations that were were really where these guys would really go, and try to be exactly where they would be. Um, again, I, I it's weird. I keep referencing Entourage. We started out we talked about how different it was, but on Entourage was a great thing happened where we had a scene that was supposed to be at the Earth Cafe, and I hated how it looked, especially if you go in the inside of it. It's terrible. It looks like you're in the Midwest. And uh, Julian and I, the, we, we, Julian, the director, and I went to talk to the producer, um, Larry Charles, about this. And he said, and he said, well, you know, I know it doesn't look good, but the fact that it really is where that conversation would happen has an air of truth to it. And somehow people will understand, even if you live in Ohio, that that really is where that would happen. They'll get it on some subconscious level that it's not fake. Whereas if we went to a place that really wasn't the real place, but looked like it, somehow they would, at some point, it would undermine the, at, a, at a very base level, the truth of what we're doing. And I think what he said was really profound. And I do believe that that aesthetic and that kind of, it's almost like a moral point of view is that go to the real place, Try, you know, again, try to find the place that looks the best for the scene you have or most appropriate for the scene you have but try to make it something that is true to the the reality of where these kids would really go you know you talk about being true to the story true to the location you know true to to the context of of the scene um one of the scenes that really stood out for me was the scene where uh, ben and cam are in soho and they're trying to hawk these i don't know if they're with their fake leather jackets on on the uh on the corner and you know living in new york you know you see that all the time and i wonder like what's going on behind this hustle here you know and and that's exactly what we find out i'm glad you feel that way yeah, and that we tried to do it again. Like that is kind of where they would do it. Probably two blocks over from where we actually filmed it, but but close. It's a very New York thing, though. I mean, you really only see that in New York. I don't. I never saw that in Los Angeles. Yeah, what's in is right there. And what's interesting in New York is where there's there's that mix of high and low. You've got guys who have nothing at a party with people who have who are zillionaires, and that is something you don't tend to see so much in LA. You in LA, like that kind of stuff is on the street in downtown LA, but. You don't go there. I don't go there. You know, that's a different world. Here, it's like these, you know, there they are in Soho where tourists are walking by who are, you know, coming, you know, from Europe and have millions of dollars. And, you know, it's just a funny mix of 
it's a great thing about New York is you everybody's thrown in it together. You know, you're not isolated. Do you, do you have any favorite locations? I like the dock area. I love that area. Where was it. that? That's in Brooklyn. It's the it's a real shipping area where they really work on ships. They do real dry dock there. Um, one of the things that's kind of tricky when you film in a place like that, they have these gigantic cranes and gigantic ships, and these cranes move on these kind of slide slide along these giant girders and kind of silently. And so you have to be always aware of what the crane is doing because if the crane, if you were in the way of the crane and the guy couldn't see you, then you would be crushed. You know, it's a everyone's a hard hat area. It's kind of dangerous in some ways. We always had supervision. Um, it's it was exci exciting to be taken into that world. Just by the way, I mean, one of the great things about making any film is you, you know, you go to the place that nobody else would go. You would go to the dangerous docks. You go check out the restaurant location. You get to go in the kitchen and meet the chef. You know, and here, you know, again, we're we're you get, get, it's great to have that access to to see the real to to see the real thing in some ways. Did you do any kind of stage soundstage shooting? You, in order to get, I think, the rebate, you need to do one day of soundstage shooting. Um, there's a New York City rebate or New York State rebate. And so there's a the only stage is the, uh, there's a kind of gangster's hideout uh, that, that, that is built on the stage. Did you know going into the, the job knowing that you would just be working on the pilot? No, I, I intended to. Um, I was very excited. I love HBO. The greatest company. They're they're so nice. They're so smart. They're so good. And I was very excited to come back. I thought oh, this is great. Now I'm going to be with, uh, with uh, you know, doing another project with them. And I was very excited to do that. And um, so I, uh, yeah, I, I did the pilot. And then I was, you know, and then it was a, you know, the 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 series wasn't shot till a year later. And I was always planning on doing the series, and I wanted to do it. I was very excited to do it, and I probably would have moved back to New York if I'd done it. And the day they finally were able to offer me the series, I was also offered this a film, which was a studio film, Ed Zwick movie called Love and Other Drugs, and it was a $40 million Fox movie and a tremendous opportunity for me. And so it was an offer I couldn't refuse. And so to my dismay, I wasn't able to do the series. Um, it would have been, my dream would have been able to do both, but it, they not only was the offer made on the same day, but bizarrely enough, they started, both thing projects started filming on the exact same day and they finished filming on the exact same day. So it was kind of, uh, something being some kind of gods involved in this decision. So it must be the right one. And so you said that you had like a theory of... Yeah, I have this theory of like why film should look like film and not look like reality. I mean, in some ways, Kodak, the dream is to make film stock that looks real. Right. Well, that kind of plays into the whole idea of do you want to create a realistic looking New York or a stylized looking New York? Yes. Or, but, but also, even if you're trying to make it real, what it should it be the same experience as if you just stood on the corner and looked that way? Any art is translating some a view of reality into a medium okay so if you're van gogh and you are looking at a, a, a little town in, at night and you see stars up there if you just in a sense if just standing where van gogh stood and you looked at the same thing he saw that would be not as good as after he painted it in oil with these giant brush strokes that you feel you feel the brush strokes from which is the medium of the paint 
And when you, in some ways, the idea of making the medium transparent, I think is a mistake. And I think that Kodak, you know, in general, like they're trying to make films that has the most real color and good, good. But that's the holy grail. You should never get it. Film should never look like it doesn't exist. It, it shouldn't become a virtual medium. It should feel like, feel like you're watching a film. You should feel the grain. You should feel the texture of it. You should feel that it is different. It's two-dimensional. That's good. That's not bad. That was director of photography Stephen Fearberg ASE talking about his work on the pilot for the HBO original series How to Make It in America. Series cinematography was handled by Tim Ives. This has been the American Cinematographer Podcast. Thanks for listening. You can find more podcasts and content on the ASC website at www.theasc.com.